What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engaged ASU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you all so much for being here tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open that up to John 4. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight in John chapter 4. As we wrap up a series that hopefully you've been enjoying as much as I have called When I Grow Up. Talking about expectations, talking about the future us, and just really seeing how we can make sure we're living our lives now to make sure that we have the right definition of success later. And so tonight will be our last night in this series, and I'm super excited for what we have to talk about. But real quick, before we do that, next week we have an awesome night planned for you. Uh, we have a guest speaker who's going to be coming. I spent some time with us. A guy named Trace, who is incredible, great guy, friend of mine, huge impact on my life. He did college ministry for years down in Opelika. In fact, you probably know who he is if you're from that area. And so he'll be with us here next week. And also, Camp Windshape will be here. And they have been nice enough to provide free Chick fil A for all of us. Yes. And so next week, get excited. We'll have a little bit of an after party and hang out with, with some of our friends from Windshape and eat free Chick-fil-A. So it's going to be a great night. So make sure you're here next week. Great speaker, great food, great, great night. So, but tonight we will be in John chapter 4 as we wrap up this series talking about something that all of us in this room can relate to. Talking about something that every single one of us in this room has spent a lot of time thinking about. Because what we're going to be talking about tonight is finding the one. And so John chapter 4 is going to help us do that a little bit later. And so we'll spend some time as we have the previous weeks talking kind of about that and then jumping into John chapter 4 together. So I'm one of six kids. And out of all of us, I was the last person in my family to get married. So all my sisters got married before I did. Even my identical and slightly younger twin brother got married before I did. In fact, when he got engaged, I wasn't even dating anybody. Like that's, like, that's how far behind I was for my brother, right? I mean, I didn't even have any prospects, and he was getting engaged. But one day in my college lit class, I had this really cute girl send me a text. No, no, I'm sorry. Send me a DM on Facebook, because that was cool back then. Um, don't do that now. Do not do that now. Um, but it was cool back then. She DM'd me and said, hey, I'm going to be out of class one day. Would you mind taking notes for me? And just a tip for the fellows, whenever a cute girl asks you to take notes, you always say yes. So I did. Uh, we started dating. Eventually, I listened to Beyonce, and I put a ring on it. And I <laughs> thought that was going to land a little bit better than that did. Um, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> And then we set up a wedding date for June of 2011, which was over a year and a half after the last person in my family got married. And so a day or two before the wedding, I'm spending some time with my extended family. So I got family from all over the South, and they were kind enough to come to celebrate this big day for us. I'm hanging out with them, and in the middle of us spending some time together, my uncle walks over to me and kind of like passionately puts his hand on my shoulder you know, like he's, he's ready to have like a heart-to-heart with me. And he says something that I totally didn't, didn't, didn't expect to not see coming. He was like, son, I want you to know that I know. 
I know what it's like to watch all your siblings get married and you're still single. I know what it's like to sit there and wonder if you're ever going to find that person. And even when it happens, you're just ashamed that it took so long to get there. Son, I know. I know how much it sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to respond to that one. Um, <laughs> but as weird and obviously unforgettable as, as that moment was with my uncle, um, I actually really do appreciate his heart behind what he said to me. Because really all he was trying to do in that situation was to connect with me on a personal level, right? Because he knew where I was because he had been there. And so he knew how hard it was, right? He knew how hard it is waiting to find somebody when everybody else you know is in a serious relationship, right? He He knows how hard it is to think that you're not good enough because nobody wants to be with you, right? And he knew how hard it is as you constantly worry whether or not your time is ever going to come. Where he got that. So in this less than ideal moment, what my uncle was really trying to do was make me feel better about my less than ideal timeline. Because he understood this pressure to find that one person to marry. And he also knew how discouraging it is when you can't. And see, this pressure that my uncle felt is something that, if we're honest, we all feel in this room, right? All of us in this room have felt this pressure before, right? This pressure to find somebody to marry. And then experience a little bit of embarrassment, as he pointed out, the longer that takes. And we all get this. We all understand this. And this is why we feel this way. Because everybody in this room has the same deep desire, We all have this deep desire to find somebody who wants to spend the rest of their life with us. To find somebody who truly knows us and truly loves us. To find somebody who looks past our mistakes, looks past our flaws, and accepts us for who we are. That's what we all want. That's our deep desire that we all have. And even though you've had this desire for a while, as you know, things start to change when you get to college. You start to feel this pressure to find this person in a way that you've never felt before. And you feel like you have to ASAP. Because right now, it's it's now or never. Like Right now is the opportunity for you to find this person if you haven't found them yet. And so this pressure intensifies when we're in college. And there's a reason that this happens. Because there's a voice that all of us hear. A voice that you hear, a voice that I heard, and a voice even that my uncle heard. And we especially hear this in the Deep South. And this voice says that if you aren't in a serious relationship, by the time you graduate college, something is wrong with you. That's what we hear. So that's why we all walk around with this mindset when we're here that we have to find this person that we're going to marry. Because we don't want that to be true about us. And so there's certain times when we're here that this voice becomes like really loud Like it becomes really loud when your friends or other people you know who are your age are starting to get engaged or even married, right? I mean, that's not uncommon. In fact, three out of my five siblings got married in college. And that's pretty common for people to do that, right? So when it does, we hear this voice, it gets really loud that we need to find somebody or something is wrong with us. 
And see, we also hear it when we talk to our parents sometimes, don't we? Because like my uncle, even though they have like a good heart, right, they just have really bad timing. And so they say things to us like, you know, when I was your age, I'd already met your father. <laughs> right? Yeah? Or, you know, I just want you to be happy, honey. And I know once you find that special someone, you'll finally get there. You'll finally be happy. So again, even though they have good hearts, they allow this voice to become really loud in our lives. And so all of you are at this really interesting point, really this pressure point in your life where you're constantly hearing this voice that tells you you need to find somebody because your window of opportunity is closing. And so the further we get into college, the more pressure we feel, the more weight that we feel to find this person. And see, the reason that we feel this pressure so intensely and the reason that we feel like we have to do this right isn't just because we all have the same deep desire to find someone. It's also because all of us in this room have the same deep fear that we won't ever find them and that we'll be alone. That's how we'll end up. Because what we all feel like is that when we grow up, we really only have two options. The first option is that we'll get married. And the second option is that we'll be lonely. That's what we feel like is going to happen. Either we're going to get married or we're going to end up lonely. And that second one, that scares us. Because we all know what it's like to spend times of be lonely, right? We all know what it's like to have times of a loneliness. We all know what that feels like. And the thought of having to deal with that for the rest of our life seems unbearable. And so we feel like we have to get married. We feel like we must get married. Because if we don't, we're going to end up miserable. If we don't, we're going to feel incomplete. Like there's something else out there that, that we need, something that we're missing in our life that we desperately want but we don't have. We'll feel like that we'll just walk around incomplete, missing that special someone that all these other people have. And really, I think that's the heart behind why never getting married scares us so much. Because we fear until we find the one, we won't feel complete. We feel like until we find that one that we won't feel complete. Instead, we will be miserable and we'll be lonely for the rest of our lives. And see, this fear that we have impacts the way that you see things and the way that you live in your life, even without realizing it. See, this fear is why you overstress about going on a date. Like you meet somebody, you think they're kind of cute, you kind of want to hang out with them, and you totally overstress about it because you don't want to miss this chance. And see, this is even why some of you in this room are in relationships where the other person treats you bad, and you know that they do. But see, you don't want to get out of it. Because you're afraid if you do, you're afraid if you let this person go, then that the window of opportunity in your life is going to close. And then you're going to end up being alone. And so you kind of justify it, you kind of put up with it, and you kind of continue on with it because you don't want to end up miserable and lonely. And so this fear that we all have impacts so many things that we do in our lives because when we grow up, what we don't want to happen is the people to look at us and to think, man, it must suck to be them. And so we put all this pressure on ourselves to find somebody because we feel like the happiness of the future us depends on it. 
And see, this pressure that all of us feel, I believe is the same kind of pressure that the person feels that we're going to look at in our story today. Because we're going to look at a story that if you grew up in church, you've heard so many times before, so many times. It's about the woman at the well. But I want to look at this from a little bit of a different angle and to see what we can learn from this as we talk about this question about finding the one and how we're supposed to respond to that as those who follow after Jesus. So again, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 4. We have the verses on the screen, so if you don't have your Bibles, no problem. We got you taken care of there. We're going to jump in in verse 5, and what we see happening here is that Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and in the midst of him traveling from Galilee to Judea, he stops at this place because he's tired. And then we see this happens in verse 5. So he, being Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So Jesus is tired and he's thirsty and he sits next to this well and when he does, this woman walks up to him. And see, the fact that she's at this well at noon is actually really strange. Because in this day, women would travel in groups and they would usually go to the wells at either the evening or in the morning, not in the middle of the day. But if you've heard this story before, you know why this woman is here now. Because later on in verse 18, Jesus has a conversation with her and talks about how this woman has had five husbands and that she's currently in a relationship with another guy. So six relationships that she's been in. And in this day, this would have automatically made her a social outcast, being with this many people and having this many relationships. But even though the amount of husbands that this girl has is unusual, what's happening inside of her life really isn't. Because based upon what we see a little bit later on in the story, what this woman is trying to find is someone to make her feel complete. Just like what we want in our lives. And she hasn't been able to find it. Because this expectation that she has put on her spouse, even though we all do it, is actually the wrong expectation. Because even though we expect and hope our spouse gives us that sense of of feeling complete, that sense of feeling fulfilled that we want, the reality is they can't. And if we think that they can, we're only setting up our marriage to fail. Because when you get into a relationship and you eventually get married and then you start living with this person, right, once the honeymoon stage kind of ends... Right, and you're finding out that they're not making you as happy as you thought they would, or you, or you find out that you're not feeling that sense of fulfillment that you hope for. Right, if you have this expectation that it's their job to do that, things can get really scary really fast. Because what happens is in that moment, you can start to doubt. In that moment, you can start to wonder, maybe I made the wrong choice. Maybe this isn't the person I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. Maybe I wasn't supposed to marry them because they're not making me feel the way I thought they would. But you know, maybe there's somebody else out there who can. And so like this girl, we can go from relationship to relationship trying to find this person to fulfill us. Trying to look for our spouse to give us that fulfillment that we want. 
And this is why, even though this seems so innocent to want to have this from our spouse, it can be extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. Because we can find ourselves searching beyond our marriage to find something because we don't see it in our marriage. And so this expectation that we all have, no doubt, is what this woman had in our story. And so Jesus, as she's sitting there at this well by herself in the middle of the day, decides to engage in a conversation with her. And this is what he says. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples were gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus finds this common desire that they both have for a drink in order to engage in this conversation with this girl. And when he does, she is completely surprised, completely surprised, right? Because of the rough relationship that Jews and Samaritans had at this time, she did not expect Jesus to talk to her. And so she's kind of in in disbelief, right? She's really confused about what's happening, but Jesus uses her confusion and her question to kind of take this conversation a little bit deeper because this is what he says Verse 10. So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it, as did also his sons and his livestock? So Jesus, in order to kind of pique her curiosity, in order to kind of break through her hesitation to talk to him, goes from talking about drinking water to this living water. And it works, right? Because she wants to know what he's talking about. She's kind of confused. She's not too sure what's happening. And so Jesus set up this conversation to be exactly where he wants it to be. And see, now he can get to the heart of what he's trying to say to this girl. Because we see in verse 13, it says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus shows that there's a difference between this drinking water and this spiritual water because this drinking water from this well can't do what this spiritual water can do. It can't continuously satisfy you. It can't give you something that causes you to never thirst again. It can't fulfill you permanently. So Jesus talks about what makes this living water so amazing. But here's what's so interesting to me. If you look down at that passage in your Bible, you see that right after this, Jesus says this, the woman asks him the question, okay, how can I drink this water, right? Right, how can I have this? But what is so strange is right after that, Jesus stops the conversation and starts shifting it into a total different direction. And he tells her to go get her husband's, right? This is when he talks about all the different people that she's been with. Because she says she doesn't have a husband, and then from there he says, you're right, but you had six of, or five of them, and now you're with somebody else. And so when you see this, it seems so abrupt and so out of place, right? Because there's so many more things that Jesus could have said about eternal life, right? There's so many more things that Jesus could have said about this living water that he's offering her, but he doesn't. And so he does it for a reason. Because Jesus is wanting to show this girl something. 
right? He turns the conversation from talking about living water to relationships in order to help this girl see that she's thirsty. See, Jesus knows that she is trying to quench her thirst in all these different relationships. So he shows up at this well. He purposely stops with his disciples at a place that Jews usually didn't stop at in order to have a conversation with this woman, in order to set up this situation to show this woman what she has been longing for in a spouse, what she has been longing for in her relationships, what she has been longing for from somebody else that she hasn't been able to get, that he can give that to her. That he can fill that void in her life. That he can fulfill her, that he can make her feel complete. And so this entire conversation, this entire moment has led up to this point that Jesus can show this woman what she wants in a spouse, she can only find in him. And what Jesus says to this Samaritan girl in the Middle East thousands of years ago is exactly what he's trying to tell us tonight. He's saying what you want in a spouse can only be found in him. Because when sin entered into this world, it didn't just stain us spiritually. It also damaged us relationally, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. And see, because of that, we all have this void now in our life, right? We all have this deep desire for somebody to complete us, to make us feel fulfilled. That's what we all want. And so what we do is we search all throughout our life to find this person, Right, to find this person, to find this spouse, to find this one that we hope can make us feel complete. And so we worry that one day we're not going to find them or we, we stress because we're afraid that we are and then when it happens, they're going to slip through our hands. We spend so much time thinking about this. But see, a right understanding of the cross shows us that when Jesus came, he didn't just heal us spiritually, but he also came to fulfill us relationally. He came to make you feel complete. See, that's why in Scripture, Jesus is referred to as our husband, right? We're referred to as the bride of Christ. And I know that's weird, and we don't really talk about that, because honestly, we don't really know what that means, right? Especially for a guy. Let me tell you what it means. It means what you long for in a spouse relationally is ultimately found in Jesus. It's found in this relationship with this person who doesn't just truly know you and truly love you, but who also fully knows you, knows everything about you, all those things that you regret, all those things that you're shameful of, and yet even though he fully knows you, he still fully loves you. Right in this relationship where Jesus doesn't look past our flaws to accept us for who we are, but instead he forgives our flaws. And he accepts us despite who we're not. Man, that's the beauty of the cross. And so this void that you have in your life isn't there because you haven't found the one. 
is there because sin has damaged your relationship with God. But Jesus comes in order to restore what we have broken. Jesus has come so that the thirst that you have in your life can be completely quenched. So if you're a believer here tonight, this is what this means for you. If you're a believer here tonight, you have already accepted the offer that Jesus extends to this woman to have living water. You've already tasted it. Which means you already have in your life what you need to feel complete. You already have in your life what you need to feel fulfilled. What you have to do is you have to tap into it. Because verse 14 tells us, right, that this is a spring of water inside of us that wells up, right, that wells up to eternal life. So we have it inside of us. What we have to do is tap into it. Because what this passage shows us that is absolutely amazing is that if you're a believer here tonight, what you want, you already have. And I love that super simple statement because it can absolutely revolutionize how you see Jesus and how you see your future spouse if you let it. Because I've been married now almost 10 years and I love my wife. We have a great marriage. I love spending time with her. I love being with her. But I promise you, Jesus is so much better than she is. And my relationship with Jesus is so much better, not because my wife isn't awesome, but because he is more. Because he is enough. Because he's the one who is able to fulfill every longing of our heart. He is the one who is able to do everything possible so that we can feel loved and accepted and forgiven. That is who he is. So there is nobody in your life who is going to be able to give you what Jesus can. So what you have right now is anything and everything that you ever need. At every stage of your life, at every age of your life, he is what you need. So if you want to learn to be content, this is what you have to remember. Right? You have to remember that what you want, you already have. Right? Whether you're single here tonight, whether you're engaged here tonight, whether you're dating somebody here tonight, even if you're married here tonight, what you have to realize if you want to find contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction and that sense of feeling complete is that Jesus gives you everything. That is who he is. So here's my challenge for you. My challenge for all of us here tonight is to simply stop. Stop thinking that if you don't find somebody to marry by the time you leave this place, that something is wrong with you because that's not true and that's not biblical. Right? Stop thinking that you have to find somebody or otherwise you're going to be lonely and miserable for the rest of your life. And stop thinking that when you finally find the one that they're going to fill you and make you feel complete. None of those things are true. 
So stop thinking that and start realizing that what you want, you already have. Because your God was willing to go to a cross and to die so that you can have everything that your heart desires. So that's what you need to remember here tonight. Now, some of you in this room, maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you're not a believer. And first of all, thank you so much for being here. Huge respect for you. Because I can only imagine how intimidating it must be to come into a room full of people who believe differently than you do. So know that I recognize that and I'm so happy that you're here tonight. So here's my challenge to you. My challenge for you tonight is to start this relationship with Jesus. Because I really believe the reason that you have that void in your life, the reason that you wrestle with feeling empty, the reason you struggle to find purpose, isn't because you haven't found the one, isn't because you haven't gotten that job, isn't because you haven't gone to that place, but it's because you are like this woman at this well and you need Jesus to quench that thirst in your life. And so my challenge for you tonight is to pursue him. To come to him with everything that you got. And to start this relationship with him. And experience this satisfaction and this fulfillment that only he can offer. And so right now, I just want to worship our God. I want to thank our God for his deep love for us and his deep desire to give us everything that we need in our relationship with him so that we don't have to find it somewhere else. I want to praise him that what we want, we already have. So let's do that together. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this amazing truth that we can see in scripture. That you are a God who loves us, that you're a God who pursues us, that you are a God who has a deep desire to have a relationship with us. And even though it's so easy for us, Father, to think that we need somebody else to complete us, that we need somebody else to satisfy us, that in reality, God, everything that we want, we already find in you. And so, Father, my prayer tonight is that we would come before you with everything that we have. That we'll worship you for the deep love that you have for us. And God, that we'd wrestle in this very simple but profound truth that everything that we want in a spouse, we already have in Jesus. Father, fulfill the longings that we have tonight. And may we sing to you. In Jesus' name I pray.